everybody. Welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Megan Johnson. And I'm Danae Osted. This week on the podcast, we talked about scaling your business, how to do it intentionally, hopefully without going insane. Uh, and sometimes that's hard to prevent. But anyway, listen up and stay tuned on the Leveled Up Podcast. <laughs> we have a VIP with us today. Unlike last episode where we had Amanda, this episode we have my new puppy oh my god it's a very important pet very (laughs) very important um you guys have got to hop on megan's social media at some point to see photos of this beautiful little baby Mm -hmm. schnauzer named millie seriously like the cutest dog ever thank you thank you yeah uh we're talking about scaling your business yep scaling your business and all that comes along with it because like we all, as business owners, we always talk about scale. Like, how can I scale and how can I grow as fast as possible? But there's a lot of things to consider with scale and um, things to think about that are going to come along with that. Mm-hmm. And, Danae, since you're in the middle of a pretty big scale in your business, I thought maybe you could kind of provide some insight into what that looks like for you and what you wish you would have known six months ago. Yeah, um, I don't know about six months ago, because I feel like I'm just learning, I, I feel like I'm just learning about this day by day, because as far as different learning curves go, like, every every part of scaling involves a new learning curve, mm-hmm. because you go from, you know, a solopreneur a lot of the times, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who's experienced this, when I started in business, it was kind of just me and Cameron, you know, figuring it out, doing our thing, sometimes being successful, sometimes not, but the only thing that was really at risk was our lives and our careers, you know? And, um, I don't want to underplay how important that is because, you know, still, still my life, still my, you know, the love of my life's life. Um, so still important, but it's a different kind of scale and a different kind of risk. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I would mess around during work hours or when I would, um, you know, take time off or when I would not do something to the best of my abilities, it wasn't ever the end of the world because it was just my stuff. Right. And granted, over the last couple of years, I think that Cameron and I have both gotten to a point where our standards are a little bit different and the workday looks a little bit different. And I remember the first year that we were dating, I was, I was actually pretty part-time in my business. I was doing other stuff for work and we would just hang out during the day like if we didn't have appointments to go to we would just hang out at his house or hang out at my house and just be buds Mm -hmm. you know even before we were dating like we didn't really understand how much effort that you had to put in Mm -hmm. and what kind of effort you had to put in because we've talked about this before but the whole illusion of entrepreneurship is that it's going to be easy and it's going to be fast and everybody is wildly successful and uh that's not true (laughs) first of all Um, And it's not necessarily the things that you think are going to be hard that end up actually being the things that are hard. So um, I think it took us a couple of years just in our own business to find out what it actually took to make money, to get the work done that we needed to, how much time and energy um, those things took. To get to a point to where you could even consider scale. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of the, the first phase of that was just figuring out our own stuff. And granted, we were trying to grow during that point, but we 100% weren't ready for it. We didn't have the systems. We didn't have the processes. We didn't have the experience and honestly just the reps to be able to get the results that we were looking for in the markets that we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really feel is absolutely true about life and also in business in general, and John Maxwell says this all the time. He says the 
you know, you don't attract what you want or what you need. You attract what you are. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning parts of our business, we would attract people who were just like us. So people who didn't understand the amount of effort needed, who didn't have great markets, like, and so we couldn't accelerate anything because we were just dealing with kind of the same people in the same situations. So over the last couple of years here, though, um, as we've gotten better, we've been able to attract people that are better, not just as clients, but also as advisors within our organization. And that's making a huge difference as to how we're actually scaling now for a couple of reasons. First because our responsibility is different. Mm -hmm. So now the responsibility isn't just to Cameron and myself, like my responsibility is to those people. Right. And I don't, exactly. And granted, I'll give the caveat that their success in business is not fully dependent on me by any means. This is still something that's fairly independent. I'm not their boss. They're not my employees. They're not relying on me for a salary or anything like that, in which case our relationship might be a little bit different. Right. Um, it's a kind of a leader and um, not even a follower, like a secondary leader yeah. <laughs> almost because they have to take um, responsibility and accountability and ownership for everything in their business. And they do that alongside me, but they will do what I do not what I say. So I have to show up for them the way that I want them to show up for themselves. Right. So hitting this next level here and for context, I know we've, again, we've mentioned it. Um, we're going through this part in our business where we have all of this business coming in from social media and some of it is ours, some of it isn't. Some of it is actually, um, coming from other venues within our office. And that's really exciting because we have all of this business coming in, but now the thing that we're coming across is that we don't have enough people to deal with it, Mm -hmm. um, which is an exciting transition, but we still have to kind of go through phases here while we're scaling from, okay, well, Danae and Cameron are capable of doing all of this to Danae and Cameron can do all of this. And a couple other people can do some of it to, okay, well, those other people now can do pretty much all of it. And now a couple other people can do some of it. We're kind of training people and integrating them into the system in waves here. And, um, we're trying to big build bigger and, and build more capacity for things like that. So um, it, it's been interesting because my role has changed a little bit throughout this. So yep. now, you know, we've talked about this before and it's actually one of my favorite subjects. I'm, I'm fully of the opinion that when you start anything new for the most part, and sometimes this goes by ages or phases in your life, usually when you start something off new, your resources for the most part are just time and energy. Right. Like all you can do for the most part is hoe up and show up and just like do your best. Yeah. Right. Like put in the time, put in the effort and that's where your value is. Just like Duckworth says in grit, ever counts twice. Yeah, exactly. I thought you were going to say that she also says hoe up and show up, in which case I'm so sorry for plagiarizing. No, she does not. (laughs) Um, But uh, that's, that's kind of what that looks like. And, but eventually as you put in more time and energy, eventually what you get out of that equation is skill and experience from putting in the time and putting in the reps. And I know you have some really cool equations that talk about that, which I've appreciated in, in Megan's coaching. Uh, everybody check out Megan at MeganJohnsonCoaching.com. Oh, <laughs> well, and I actually did, uh, put in the capacity equation in my last, uh, in the success society podcast. So if basically, how do you, how do you calculate your capacity in your business to um, complete a unit of work? Like, how many clients can you serve? Like, based on your service offering, how, 
what is your capacity in that business to do it? And there's a calculation to do it. And then you use that calculation to, to figure out what your maximum revenue possibility is. And it gets more complicated. Like you have, you have thousands of products that you could offer. And so it, it gets pretty complicated with, some, with something like you. But if you're, if you're a basic business or a simple, more simpler business, which is, and I kind of want to have a conversation with the difference in types of scale that you would see in your business versus mm-hmm. that I, I would see in my business. If you only have a couple service offerings, uh, it's really easy to calculate out your capacity, but you still get capped. And so at some point you need to figure out how do I scale this up if you want to make more money, especially if you're capped out at your, uh, your pricing. So for you, you don't get to determine your pricing. Your, your pricing yeah. is, is all pre-negotiated with, with uh, your vendors, right? Mm-hmm. And so for you to be able to scale revenue, you have to be able to scale, you have to be able to increase the number of uh, people that you serve. Yeah, increase or improve. I will say that because make it more efficient. We'll make it more efficient, but also improve the level of client that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. Because although you know, yeah, the prices are are predetermined and things like that, just by the kind of investment that somebody needs as Mm -hmm. part of their plan. Um, One of the things that I I know about financial services in general is just that you tend to make more money helping people with more money. Mm -hmm. And that also tends to be people who are older. And that's just because of time and math. That's literally it. Yeah. If somebody has a 401k and they're in their 20s, that's probably $20,000, maybe $60,000 max. That tends to be what I see, just based on entry-level salaries for people in their 20s, right? And the time you've had to contribute and the time that compounding interest has had time to take Mm -hmm. effect, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm working with the same exact solution for somebody who's in their 50s, then I could be working with three or four hundred thousand dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, because they've had more time in the workforce, their compounding interest has had more time to take effect. So instead of, you know, always focusing on, well, I need more clients, because that's not always a good thing. Sometimes that's a recipe for disaster, especially because there's so much oversight that goes into what we do in finance. Right. Having more clients, honestly, it it, it ends up being harder a lot of the times because then I need to pay my assistant for more work. Like there's more moving pieces for smaller cases. Like we still have plenty of that within our organization. And especially for the newer advisors, they do a ton of that work, um, which is awesome because that's, that's part of scaling. And I'll talk about that in a second, but you know, for me, as I'm trying to spend less time working with clients, but make more money, I have to change the kind of client that I'm working with so that I can spend my time and energy creating resources for my advisors so that they can help everybody else more effectively. And then also get to the point where eventually they're working with higher, um, not necessarily higher net worth, but higher identity clients. Yeah. Like people who are worth an investment in their time and energy, because that's what you get when you work with an advisor is you're making an investment and they're making an investment in a long-term relationship. Right. So you want to invest in the right relationships. Right, kind right, of what right. that looks like. Yeah. So for uh, a different kind of business, for like a, a service professional that chooses their own offerings, and you may have a maybe up to three or maybe up to five different types of services that you offer, and you de- and you've made a conscious decision to stay a solopreneur. Like for mm-hmm. you, the decision is: I need to grow my team. I need to mm-hmm. enable my team. I need to mentor my team, and that's what you really talked about. Is if you want to stay a solopreneur, that doesn't mean you can't scale. Yeah. It, what you do need to take into consideration is 
how do I serve more people with the same amount of time and attention that I have? Because 168 hours in a week is never going to change. Yeah. Like, we can't, I don't care. Have you, have you watched a manifest yet? I heard the dialogue was really bad and I, that immediately just like turned my brain off for some reason. Okay. So no, I have not watched it. Is it good? Uh, it's a, something to put on. Okay. <laughs> Anybody that's been involved with any government agency on how they work will be really upset with like how the NSA pulled in a tactical like response team that was military. Like they could, sorry, it just doesn't happen. They don't have the authority to do that. It was, there's so many things. You sound like Cameron. Like every just, time we're watching anything that has anything with the military involved, he's like, um, I'm sorry. These are little details that like, they literally it's could not have brought a little in, detail. Like, what, but that's what I'm saying. Like they literally could have brought in one person who's yes. like been a part of any of those organizations to fact check this right. kind of stuff. And they would have said, no, this isn't realistic. This isn't realistic. No, this would never happen. Like, don't do... Here's what you should change to make that work. But yeah, I I feel you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Not. They put the whole Twilight series on Netflix, so I have plenty to put on right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, the manifest is about weird time things. So we always get 168 hours. You don't get to get on a plane and go back five years and never... Or go forward five years. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, if you're a solopreneur doesn't mean you can't scale your operations. You just have to figure out what to, how you can serve more people in the same amount of time and capacity for yourself, not just the, the formulae, formulaic capacity that they talk about in business books, but um, also like your energy capacity and your attention capacity and all of that you have to pay attention to. So when you're preparing to scale for your business, like you need to start w- before and you need to set your business up so that you can you have that capacity and you have the systems and processes in place for that scale. So when you were walking into um, this current scale, it hit you like a, like a bus. You weren't prepared for it because you couldn't have been. It was one of those things that just happens and all of a sudden mm-hmm. uh, TikTok goes viral and holy crap, your, your uh, calendar is full. So if you could go back six months previous to that, is there things that you would have put in place if you knew this was coming? I think maybe it's it's funny because we actually had like we had this phase that just kind of came out of nowhere where all of a sudden Cameron and Kelsey and Mike and Jesse and I all of the leaders who I really align with within our office they're all people around our age with businesses similar to ours and we all just get along we're all close friends we used to live with Kelsey like we're all like pretty close mm-hmm. and we had a phase in our business. We were like, okay, well, we want to prepare for the next level of growth. We want to do our own stuff. So we moved our training to another night. So we had full control of that. We changed the training so that instead of being sporadic based on what we felt like training on, we made it much more linear so that it was literally aimed towards helping new people be successful and just learn all of the basics. And then we made a whole bunch of resources to make the onboarding process easier for people and to make it... Um, less of a guessing game when you're going through some of those appointments and then all of a sudden this big Hmm. explosion hit it's almost like the universe saw that you were ready something like that I think and I really do feel like there's a lot to be said for preparing for opportunity yes yeah because like that's in I think that's a huge missed place for a lot of people because it's really easy to be like okay well you know, this other person gets all these other opportunities that I don't, and they're making all this money and they're getting all this business. Well, a lot of times, all that means is that that person has prepared to be able to take care of those opportunities. Right. Because right now, for instance, if you look at Kelsey's TikTok, 
she is set up to take advantage of opportunities. She's got a Calendly link so you can schedule an appointment with her. She's got all the information so you can look at stuff on your own. Like, it's easy now for her to go viral because now it's happened once or twice and so she knows what that entails and we now have the systems in place on the back end to be able to take care of that. But I've actually seen it happen with a whole bunch of TikTok businesses where it's a small business, it's like one person making candles on Etsy or something. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they get this TikTok explosion and they don't have enough product. They don't have right. the manufacturers to get product immediately. They don't have anybody working for them except for them. And all of a sudden they have 5,000 orders right. and have no idea how they're going to fill all of those things. So while they got opportunity, they probably weren't able to capitalize on it as much as they could have because they just weren't ready for it. So. Right. Um, going back to six months ago, I think that there were probably a few more resources that I would have put in place. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing that's kind of where my actual value is now. It's not out in the fields doing appointments with anybody who has a hundred dollars a month that they can invest. Like my value now is creating resources to streamline these processes, to make it easier for our trainers to, um, make sure that there are less variables while going through the process so that it's not a guessing game. Now we can take advantage of every opportunity that comes to us Mm -hmm. instead of, floundering along the way but I almost feel like the last six months and sometimes you have to go through kind of periods like this in your business do you ever watch bar rescue have you ever watched that show before Mm -hmm. okay with good old John Taffer Mm -hmm. and he's like shut it down Mm -hmm. and like I love it I love it so much but the funny thing about those those shows is that a lot of times they'll go in and they'll like remodel the whole thing and they'll fire people who they think are toxic and then they'll like have this whole new theme they'll teach people how to pour a shot like they do all of this stuff and then half those businesses usually go under Right. Because they, they're not making lasting change, right? They're not scaling appropriately. They're just changing a whole bunch of things in one day and hoping it'll stick. And giving it some exposure. Exactly. But the one thing I do like about Bar Rescue is they do something called the stress test, which is where they basically invite hundreds of people in the community to come into this bar. Like it's the busiest night the bar's ever had. And then they basically see what the gaps are mm-hmm. as far as the systems and processes that they have in place. Right. So sometimes it's in almost always, it's like the owners running around, no idea what they're doing. Like they run out of glassware, like the bartenders are overwhelmed. Like there's always something that's a gap. And what I will say is that this period of scaling in our business has stress tested the crap out of it. Right. So now we're seeing, oh, okay, so we're good at this part of things. We're good at getting people on board, but we're not good at getting them licensed. Oh, well, we're good at getting people independent on their drop-by conversations, but we're not good at teaching them about this one specific product. Like, so when we're seeing those gaps, because we have more business coming through, then I can actually create a resource that says, okay, well, if I know that this is the problem, then let me directly attack it and add in more specific training. Let me add in more, um, an infographic that people can go through so they don't have to guess on that conversation. You know, Um, it makes it, or I can take somebody on the team who's really good at that and put them in charge of it or Mm -hmm. teaching everybody else. So now everybody's learning from the people who who do it the best. I think that's a great example of preserving the learning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as business owners, especially I see for solopreneurs, it's a little bit easier, I think, when you have a team because you have a lot of different eyes looking at stuff and, and preserving the learning. But especially as a solopreneur, it's really important that you take those pauses <clears throat> to look and see where what can I learn and how can I improve here? Because very, very often we just are likely to just keep pushing and going to the next thing and you you don't slow down enough to give yourself the opportunity pr- to get the education that you need in that t- that test moment 
and implement the changes that you need to prepare for the next level. And just like you said, there's so much value in preparation for opportunity. There's incredible value in preparation for opportunity. And that's what that is. Mm-hmm. It's okay, so I, I, I hit this challenge and I had this opportunity. So how are you going to use that experience to apply it to the next one? Well, I think now we know that whenever we have this ongoing massive rush of activity, that we kind of know how to handle it. We kind of know what people's roles are, and that makes it um, a lot less intimidating because we know we can handle it. So we can go in with a little bit of confidence and know that that's what we're ready for. So the best thing, though, that I will say that we've gotten out of this entire thing, so beyond just the business that we've closed or the people that we've brought on board or whatever – the best thing that we've gotten out of this is that our team has now gotten a ton of reps in on just doing the same kinds of appointments over and over and over and over again and perfecting those processes and getting really, really confident in having those conversations. So now when they're out in the world having their own conversations, or if we have another rush of something like this, or, you know, we're planning on doing some sort of a branding strategy at some point and putting more effort into our own team's specific branding. Well, now I know that if we're bringing in 40 or 50 leads a week, which eventually I would like to, well, guess what? Now we know how to deal with 40 or 50 leads a week and we understand how to distribute that. We understand who's capable and we understand what the level is of um, competence because here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect at all of these things to get the job done. Right. For the most part, right? That's why we have all these fail safes. That's why we have all this supervision. Like, we have all of these systems in place to make sure that even if somebody is newer or they haven't been in the industry for five years, that they're not going to mess something up by having a conversation with right. somebody. Yeah. So, I don't know what the next level looks like. And I think we're, we're building pretty intentionally. Um, that's the other part is that, um, you know, going into this next round of conversations we're not, we know as a team that we're not looking for everybody and we know who it is that we're looking for. That's great. So yeah, it makes it a lot easier to kind of filter out what appointments make. Um, the most sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I really want to kind of shift the conversation to um, a little bit back to how you scale as a solopreneur, because I, I think, and I, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. And if I wasn't in finance, like I'm always thinking about other business opportunities and things like that. Cause eventually I'd like to be at the point where I can spend time and energy starting other things. Mm-hmm. And I look at a lot of businesses on TikTok and kind of the models that they're running because it's so interesting to me to see how people are being successful. Yeah. And a lot of times people are totally doing this stuff on their own. Mm-hmm. So they might be outsourcing pieces of yeah. their business. Mm-hmm. So they need to create a course. Okay. So they find somebody who's really great at creating courses and paying them to help with that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they need somebody to manage their social media. Great. They'll outsource for something like that. But even if somebody has people for things like that, a lot of times they're still technically a solopreneur. Right. And what I love about kind of the next generation of businesses here is that I think you can run an incredibly scalable solopreneur business depending on the area that you're in. And a couple kind of unique things that I've seen people do lately is basically utilize some time investment up front for things that will continue to pay them over and over and over again with little to no maintenance or extra work. Mm -hmm. So for some people, you know, I see a lot of um, other financial people do this and I'm still not sure if I'm allowed to do this or not. Like the rules are very weird between there are financial like influencers and then there are financial advisors. 
and financial advisors have a lot less freedom as to what we can do on social media. Mm -hmm. Financial influencers can say whatever they want because they're not supervised by any regulatory authority, basically. So a lot of times... It makes it a little sketch sometimes. It does. And I mean, granted, there are... I will say this. There are plenty of basic financial concepts that you can learn from people who aren't advisors. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And it's totally appropriate over the years for you to... Uh, I'll say change your allegiance as to who it is that you subscribe to, right? Subscribe to. So like for instance, a lot of people started their financial journey with Dave Ramsey. Right. Okay. Dave Ramsey is really great at a few specific things, but he also has a lot of personal principles that a lot of people very much don't agree with. Right. And so if after a while you're like, okay, well, I got a lot out of working with him initially, but I don't think I believe in all of his ideals anymore. It's totally Okay to not listen to everything he says, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't religion. You don't have to just, like, die hard for somebody uh, just because they taught you how to save money, right? So you can get bits and pieces from all of these different people, but what I've seen a lot of people doing is creating basic courses. Mm -hmm. So, for for instance, it'll be an intro to budgeting, right? And so they can film a bunch of videos. They can film a little bit of a course. They can have some downloadables. And then once that stuff is done, they can have that, accessible for their followers and maybe their followers pay $40 to get access to that. Okay. So that $40, they don't have to put in any additional work for that person to get those resources. Right. right? So if they have a hundred thousand followers and they sell to, let's say 10,000 of them, well, that's a lot of money that they just made for maybe 20 hours put in at the front end, right? I don't know how long it takes to create courses. So it could be a lot more, could be less, okay? Depending on what it is that you're doing. Um, Or one of the cool things that I've seen guys doing, so one of my friends, for instance, her husband runs a, um, like a prop shop for film. So, um, he's done stuff for Alien. He's done stuff for, um, like, do you remember the Denver airport where they had those, like, cool gargoyles that talked? Do you remember that? Okay. They're still there. But anyway. Do they still uh, talk? Yeah, it's pretty weird. So anyway, they had this whole project, so they were both in on that. But one of the coolest things that they've done is he's really into 3D printing. And there's all these people on the internet who love props and Marvel and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all of these things. So what he gets to do is he can go on and he can create a 3D printing model. So if it's a uh, Mandalorian helmet right? Or a specific kind of sword or something like that. He can go on and create the models and then he can sell that model to anybody with a 3D printer Mm. and then they can go on and they can actually physically print those things themselves. That's cool. It's really cool, right? And I don't have that specific set of skills by any means, but somebody who does Mm -hmm. can create that model once. So he's basically making a digital product. Yes. That's cool. Isn't that cool? cool. It's a digital product that becomes a physical product. Yeah, that's really neat. Isn't that neat? So I love anything where people can make it once and then get paid on it over and over and over and over again. And I think that's an incredible way for solopreneurs, depending on what realm they're in, to think about scaling to the next level is how can I make more money without using up more hours in the day? I think the other thing that's really, really nice about that is like your, your passions and focuses change within your industry and within, even within your expertise. And so if you can change one of those topics that you teach on frequently or that you talk about frequently or you help business owners with the service that you provide and you're like, I'm kind of kind of ready to stop doing this and I want to do something new, it's really nice when you can take that and turn it into a product. Yeah. And by that I mean an evergreen course or, or something that's not you providing that education as a service, but instead you turn it into something somebody can, can buy your education automated 
evergreen, not face to face. That's yeah. And then then like it also gives you the opportunity to continue to follow your passion as your passion evolves, um, as well. And and that's a really healthy way to continue to evolve in your business because just as your business is going to grow and scale, your your focus is going to grow and scale. And and you already talked about that with with your business when you started. You were really really interested in in one type of demographic and that was really important to you and you figured out how to continue to support them as you're entering into into different markets as well and so that's just a natural part of staying interested in what you do and uh, so use the power of scale to keep that stuff relevant and available for to build revenue in your business as you as you move and grow as well yeah Scale's really great, uh, and it's a fun conversation, and there's a lot of lessons to do, and there's a lot of people out there that talk about how to scale, and that was never the intention of of this uh, conversation to get to give like the diehard advice of how to scale, but just kind of a conversation around, you know, it's hard. Scale is kind of scary. There's, but you have to do it intentionally and know that it's different for every business. But think about. I think the ultimate lesson we're we're trying to leave everybody with today is is prepare for scale before it happens and it will uh just like we're, we're seeing in your business right now this explosion that's happening and then happening again uh which is great and wonderful yeah. but you should have seen the size of Danae's eyes just now they got real big. <laughs> um it's a lot of effort but the more more preparation you put in now uh, the more ready you're going to be six months from now or four months from now or one week from now when uh when it comes so uh, think about your business and what needs to be in place. What can you automate? What processes can you put in? What better training materials can you build? Uh, how can you better um, control and structure your life so that you can do the work that you need? Um, so just m- my advice would be spend a few minutes today and just think about if my business doubled, what would have to change in its operations today? Um, so that's that's what I've got for scale. Great. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.